here this morning. I would like to, of course, personally thank uh, the Pattersons for a tremendous event last night. Uh, had a great time. All the young people and even adults had a tremendous time. Glad of those of you, were, of those of you who were there. And fellowship's a grand thing. And I hope that you'll continue to go to those events. And if you haven't gone to something like that, do so. And hope to see you again tonight as well. We're going to have a prayer service. And if you've not been here for one of those, I hope you'll come and realize that it will be a blessing to you. Let's turn to Mark chapter 10, please. We're going to look at the account this morning of the rich, young ruler. And what this means to us today, who are Christians, and what it means to those who are not yet Christians, those who have not put on Christ in baptism, those who even though have things in the way of their relationship with God. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. As he, Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But all these words he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. This account of what we commonly refer to as the rich young ruler is found in the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and is one of the most interesting, and yet one of the most tragic in the New Testament. The story begins with hope, and yet it ends with despair. One moment we see this young man running courageously towards Jesus, excited to see him. But in just a few moments, this young man leaves, carrying with him his great wealth and broken heart. Now we look and we see rich, young, and ruler. You might be one of those, but I don't think any of us are or all three of them necessarily, rich, young, and a ruler, but rest assured, this story is about each one of us. The picture could easily look like this. I don't have a Ferrari, I sold it last week. But it could easily look exactly like this. And maybe it's not a car in your life. Maybe it's something else, some other possession, some other habit but you are indeed a ruler as well. You are a ruler of your own life. You take charge of what goes in and what comes out. So this account today of the rich young ruler is definitely about us. Let us consider in this account who he was, his hopeful question, Jesus' startling reply, and then the sad departure of the rich young ruler. Let's look at who this young and was. From the world's point of view, he was young, of course. 
He was young, and our world today values youth a great deal. He had a long time to live and, and could do much with his wealth. But one of the lessons I want us to pull out of this particular moment is the fact that for our young people, when you are young, it is the best time to give oneself to Christ. So proud of Brother DJ for making that decision this weekend. And so many others need to do the same thing. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 1 says, I said to myself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure, so enjoy yourself. And behold, it too was futility. Adults do it, particularly young people. They go after pleasure. What will make me feel good right now? Candy last night, you know, just going, going after it. I was, and the kids were too. But we just go after that pleasure, you see. We just go after it. But it's futile to constantly go after pleasure. Let's remember what was said. Just ten Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and, have, and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. So many people live their youthful lives, live their younger days in a way that as they age, they're just callous against the world. They have no hope. They have no joy. Because they did not spend their youthful days engaged in Christian discourse, engaged in trying to understand who Christ was and how He plays a tremendous part in their life. So this man, he was young. We're not sure of his age in particular, but he was considered youthful at the time. And he was ready to follow Christ. He wanted to do that. But of course also, he was a ruler. He was a man of influence. He had prestige. He had power. For the Scripture to say he was a ruler, he was obviously higher up in some fashion. He also had wealth. He was, when we today are very rich, even though you might not consider yourself wealthy and maybe not in the same circumstances as this young ruler, but we are wealthy in many ways. And the world considers wealth to be very worthwhile, but he was not rich towards God. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21, you know, talks about covetousness and, and denounces it. Denounces going after much money, going after wealth. And it ends this particular thought in verse 21, So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's the question, as you'll see in this lesson, that was brought to this young man. You have much, and you're a good man. But are you rich towards God? Now, from heaven's point of view, also, some very good attributes to bring out about him. He was an earnest man. We see in verse 17 that a man ran up to him. He ran up to Jesus. And he was also a humble man because it goes on to say, he knelt before him. It says a lot about him. People who are normally wealthy, people who are normally rulers, particularly the young of those two types, they're not going to kneel before anybody. They think they have all that they need, and they don't you know, lower themselves to anybody. But this man, he was earnest, he was excited to see Jesus, and he was humble enough to go and bow before Him. Many people went to Jesus to try to get themselves healed. 
to try to heal someone in their family. They would go and bow before Jesus. Heal me, Lord. Heal, heal my family. Heal, heal my, my slave that I love dearly. But this man was going to Jesus out of a concern for his very own soul. Verse 17, he was also a reverent man. He asked him, good teacher. Some of your passages may say, master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He came willing to learn from the master teacher. And he was also an honorable man. We read of that in verse 20. You know, Jesus in 18 and 19 says, you know, follow these commandments. You know what they are. But in showing his honor, the young man said, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. He had a clean record. Had, had resources to do anything he wanted. But he chose to live in this way. From the world's standpoint, you know, the world would really like him. From heaven's standpoint even. He had a lot to be admired. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 20. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? If judged by the world or heaven, he would come through squeaky clean. He would stand in high regard on both sides. And suppose you know someone that's much like this. You think a lot of them. And we say this of people quite often, perhaps even of ourselves. He's a good person. She's a good person. That's what could be said of the rich young ruler, but he knew he was lacking something. Even Jesus told him in Mark chapter 10 and verse 21 that he was lacking something. But we know that morality, that being a good person, is not sufficient in God's sight. John chapter 14 and verse 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Jesus acknowledges the fact that, yes, indeed, he was lacking something. And we read this in verse 21. So this young man is much like us, perhaps, much like people that you know. They're good people, but they lack something. And he had some questions. And of course, first, the first question he asked is found in verse 16. Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Not enough people are asking this question. They're not concerned about eternity. They're only concerned about the right now. Well, this man was most likely taught by Jewish teachers, people of the day, and they were taught that you're saved by doing something. And even today, we may struggle with this particular point in Christian living because faith without works is dead. So we know that we must do something. But even in the Old Testament, this this uh, mindset was fought against. Micah chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams, in ten thousand of oil? Does the Lord take delight in your sacrifices? Does it sometimes? But Micah's here is, you know, calling into question this. Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? To do those things that will bring you closer to Him. Was sacrifice important? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But there were even limits to that. You needed humility. You needed kindness if you wanted to walk 
closely with God. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 20, the young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? His question first was, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Well, I've done those things, so what yet am I still lacking? He knew he'd done a lot, but was probably someone who made sure that his I's were dotted and his T's were crossed. So he wanted to know, is there something, Lord, that I am not doing? Because one thing, it may mean everything. Like a key to an automobile, a mainspring to a watch, or a compass to a ship. One thing might make a tremendous difference in your final destination in eternity. John chapter 17 and verse 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The man had done so much, and he finally went to the good teacher and said, What am I lacking? And Jesus responds to him. Jesus tells him in our next point, chapter 19 and verse 21, we see, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. This was the first thing that he told him. The man was going to him, wanted to know the one last thing, and now, what? Don't you think he's now startled at Jesus' reply? Probably afraid. Look at how much of my life will have to change, Lord. If I do this, but if you will supply that which is lacking and make your obedience complete, that's what Jesus was telling him. Yes, you've been so obedient, but Jesus knew his heart. Jesus knew he had idols. Jesus knew there was an important change that had to be made. And whether Jesus is talking to the man who is a rich young ruler or to the lowly person on the ground dying of leprosy, He's telling them both the same thing. I want you to follow me and not have any idols before me. Because this is the one thing that is essential. Lord, I haven't murdered. I haven't stolen. I haven't done so many things. Lord, I'm a good person. Everybody knows it. Everybody believes it. Get rid of your idols. And come and follow me. This would be startling to many but not surprising to us today. Because we know that Jesus wants all of us, but are you living that way? Are you fully living for Him? So what was the next thing that happened? We read of this in chapter 19 and verse 22. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. How unlike the way he had actually came to Jesus. He came running and kneeling with high expectations. And now he is walking away sad and in despair. So he failed actually to become a disciple of Christ. Because that's the outcome of the story as far as we know it. That when Jesus told him, the last thing he needed to do, the last two things, sell your possessions and follow me. This made him sad and he, he walked away. He physically walked away from Jesus. He spiritually 
walked away from Him. He eternally walked away from Jesus because he couldn't let go of, of pride, of his possessions, of, of anything that was keeping him tied to that idol. He owned much property. Why did he go away? We see that. We see why he went away, because he had great possessions. But this was not because Jesus was unkind to him. Jesus wasn't ugly at all. He actually you know, engaged in a conversation with him and spoke kindly. But the thing is, you see, he spoke frankly to him. He gave him the facts. He told him what he needed to know. He told him what he, what he needed to do. And the man could not take this. Could not take this news. And if all the candidates probably within the earshot of Jesus, you know, you'd probably pick this one out as being the closest to want to follow Him. James and John, you know, they're angry all the time. Peter's fickle. Who knows what Judas is thinking at the time. And here we have this man who's coming up, ready to, to live for Jesus. And Jesus tells him the one thing that he has to do, and he can't let go of it. He can't let go of those possessions. He tried to hold on to the treasures of both worlds. But we read in Matthew chapter 6, that no one can serve two masters. You can't serve Jesus. You can't serve your idols. You can't love Jesus. You can't love yourself than everybody else. You can't love Jesus and, and be prideful. For either He will hate the one and love the other, or He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And we read in Matthew 16 and verse 26, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Every day you walk out of your door, you are making this decision. Am I doing things that are going to benefit my soul? Or am I doing things to build treasures on this earth? You make that decision every day. And you're exchanging that soul for something else perhaps. Or maybe you're making your soul, hopefully, the more important thing. Mark 4, 18 and 19. The deceitfulness of riches. They promise a lot and deliver on almost nothing. Choked out the Word of Jesus from His heart. And so blinded by His judgment that He could not obey. So the deceitfulness of riches, they choke out. What we hear, you know, we read these beautiful red letters in Scripture. We read them over and over again. But our idols choke it out. Don't listen to that. Don't make that change. Don't get baptized today. Don't become a disciple of Christ. You see, the world chokes it out, whether it's riches or something else. It chokes out those words. And you will leave today, perhaps, still not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Finally, let's note the words of Jesus to His disciples immediately following. When Jesus spoke, people listened. Okay? People would stop and they wanted to hear what He had to say because He didn't waste His words. He didn't waste them. So He wanted to teach this person that was in front of Him. But while He was talking, He was teaching everybody else around Him. So He knew how vital His words were. So he's talking to this rich young ruler, telling him about the commandments, and then saying, sell what you have, 
Give to the poor and come follow me. And he's left now. He's left Jesus. Is not going to become a disciple. Is not going to become a Christian. Is not going to start putting up treasures in heaven. He's not going to do that. He's made that decision. Now the disciples are, are wondering about this new lesson that Jesus has taught. Verse 23, And Jesus, looking around, said to His disciples, How hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at His words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That sounds as though it might be impossible, but there are some scholars, many that believe that the eye of a needle is actually a, a physical place in a, in a city where the, the camels would have to get down and crawl through. Not impossible. Jesus is not saying it's impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's just very, very difficult. Verse 26, They were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Because these particular disciples, the original twelve, you know, these were not poor, poverty-stricken people. They were, they were working class, and in many respects were probably well off in comparison to much of the population at the time. So Lord, who can be saved? You know, Peter and Andrew wondering, do I need to go sell my fishing business, Lord? I need to lay outside all the time? That, that's, that's not the point. You know, starting a garage sale as soon as you get home so you can sell everything off, that, that's not the point. Jesus was making the point that you've got to make sure there's nothing between me and you. And if that's possessions, then maybe you do. Maybe you do need to get rid of some things and learn how that stuff's not really important, but rather your eternal soul is. So they asked, who can be saved, Lord? Looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible. You can't do it yourself. All the commandments that the, this rich young ruler had kept, all the things that, that he had done, thinking he was racking up points, the kingdom of heaven, you know, with man it's impossible. With people you can't do it by yourself, but not with God for all things are possible with God. There's still an answer there. You might not like the answer. You might not like what you have to do. You might be pretty tied to those idols. But you need to do it and not walk away sad the way the young man did. If you ask, what must I do that I may have eternal life? That's what the rich young ruler asked. And there are many here today who are not Christians and you're asking that, and if not, I hope you'll start asking. Well, on earth, Jesus forgave sins, but then when He left, the apostles started preaching. And they started writing things, and we learned from those writings the plan of salvation and what must a person do today in order to be saved. So, you've heard the Word today, you've heard the Gospel, you hear it every Sunday. And you believe in that. You believe who Jesus is. And so next thing you must do is you must, you must realize that you've got to stop living for the world. The rich young ruler, he wasn't living for the world. He was 
He was living a good life, it seemed, but there was one thing that he lacked. He had idols. There's one thing you may lack. So you've got to repent of that. Confess that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then be baptized for the remission of your sins that you might be added to the Lord's body. Because if you've not been baptized for the remission of your sins, as the New Testament teaches, then you are outside of Christ. You are outside of Him. You're on the fringe. You're looking at Jesus in the crowd. And you're saying, I want to be with Him. But I'm not ready. But, but I'm not going to do that. But I'm not, going to, I'm not going to follow His teachings on baptism. I'm a good person. Do you, you hear me? Do you hear me about the rich young ruler? Jesus was ready for him to become a Christian. He's ready for you to become a Christian today. Be baptized this morning and begin living a faithful life walking with Christ. If you have that need this morning and need to be baptized, I hope you'll come forward or talk to me after services. Or if you are a Christian and need prayers, let's handle that this morning as well. Won't you come now as we stand and sing?